Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of State of the Art. I'm your host, Andrew Herman. And if this is your first time here, let me tell you a little bit about what we're doing. We're talking about art technology and the intersection between them. But mostly, we want to talk about why you should care about this stuff. I've been on both sides of this coin as a startup founder, an engineer, a creative, and I'm just fascinated by the world where art and technology overlap. So I'll be talking to artists, collectors, CEOs, and founders, anybody who has any perspective on this world I want to talk to. You know, in my lifetime, we have seen an unbelievable quantum leap forward in the special effects of Hollywood. In fact, it's funny, I just went back and watched Alien for actually for the first time ever recently because I hate horror movies. And it turns out that if you watch a horror movie from the 70s, it's actually not all that scary because the special effects just aren't there. But, you know, one of the things you don't think about when watching special effects in Hollywood these days is probably fashion. Although, if you think about it, if you've seen the most recent Hunger Games or something like that, there's actually a lot of really cool things going on in the graphics world that lend themselves really well to the world of fashion. So why does any of this matter? Well, our next guest, Matt Drinkwater, actually is specializing in finding special technological uh, applications within the fashion world, within the fashion marketing industry. And I think you're really going to enjoy this next episode where we're talking about uh, marketing, fashion industry, and cutting-edge technology. So I hope you enjoy. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of State of the Art. And this week, we have someone very interesting, a little bit outside what we normally talk about. Um, his name is Matt Drinkwater, and he comes to us from the Fashion Innovation Agency at London College of Fashion. Um, so this is this is the first time, uh, at least I'm doing an interview with someone with some fashion background. So I'm I'm really intrigued to bring this interview to you guys. Um, so welcome to the program, Matt, and uh, so glad to have you. Oh, it's great to be here. So can you just for our listeners, can you give us a little bit of a background of what exactly the Fashion Innovation Agency is and what you guys are trying to accomplish there? Yeah, of course. So the the innovation agency is a team that has a remit from London College of Fashion to use emerging technologies to try and change the way that designers and brands are either making their collections. So we do a lot of work with smart materials and smart processes, um, change the way that they show those collections. So Fashion Week becomes a great playground for those technologies, particularly around immersive. So the use of augmented virtual mixed realities, those are really interesting to us. And then ultimately, how uh, those designers and brands can use technologies to change the way that they may retail their collections. So really, it's kind of looking at any part of a very traditional business model, creating a case study around these new emerging technologies and showing to the world what they could do. Um, and the reason for doing that is because the, the fashion industry likes to portray this kind of early adopter mentality. Nothing could be further from the truth. It's quite a traditional industry. So we, um, we always need to show something to them to get that 
pace of change and begin to accelerate the pace of change. And then ultimately, we use um, those case studies that we create. Um, and I lecture at the college and we uh, hopefully send out a new generation of designers and fashion executives with a much greater understanding of new technologies and the way that they could begin to form a new type of business. Hmm. What, and can you tell us a little bit about what the actual student body is there? I mean, what's the makeup and what level of the are the students at? Yeah, I mean, we are a huge um, college. We are part of University of the Arts London. We have over 6,000 students spread across six different locations all over London um, from various different disciplines. And, you know, when we, from our fashion business school to our school of design and technology or media and communication, so it's this, and we also have a very well-established fashion business school. So, you know, huge variation in skills. Um, and my team kind of hovers above all of those schools and courses. So as and when the, the deans within a particular school need us to guide their, their student body, we can drop in and begin to lecture them on whatever it may be from artificial intelligence to virtual and augmented realities or wearable technologies. So how, how did you end up here? Because your background, correct me if I'm wrong, is not necessarily in fashion, right? It's, it's within retail. Um, and I have a, a long history of working with retail and fashion retail, but um, always in roles which involved innovation. So um, particularly my roles in retail were always focused on how we could use new technologies to kind of change user experience, whether that be how you experience a store. So many years ago, we were experimenting with scent marketing, looking to change the consumer flow through the store, how we could, you know, we at those early times in my career, we were looking at, at the dawn of the internet and how we could use e-commerce to change things. And we, we experimented with uh, shoppable video back in 2009, which, you know, shoppable video these days is still not widely adopted. Right. Um, so lots of experiments in how we could change experience. Um, and ultimately, we were working with young designers in London as well. So, I, you know, it's a fairly small world and people get to know who you are. Sure. I want to make sure that the listeners hear this because you kind of glided past scent marketing. So we're talking about actual olfactory, like, oh, for sure. <laughs> I'm just assuming that means like putting baked cookies strategically throughout the store to lead yeah. me to the most expensive sneakers. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the hospitality <laughs> industry has used that for a very long time and retail, yeah. you know, back you know, I'm going back sort of 15 years um, is when we were beginning to to experiment with it. And I think um, it's, it was Nike, I think, who did a very well-documented project where they scented a room. Uh, they had two different rooms, scented one, same sneakers in two different rooms, and consumers were willing to pay up to 20% more for the sneakers in the room with the scent in. So, you know, it's, it's a you know, tried and trusted model these days. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that, that sort of thing. I, I think it's interesting, you know, I think that background is really interesting because it does sort of set the tone for um, for the sort of experimental nature of what your program is doing. I mean, I think when when most people think about fashion technology, I mean, first of all, people are probably immediately going to wearable technology, which sure. um, 
you know, it was really interesting in my in my research call with you, you know, your immediate reaction to that was like, eh, you know, we tried it, eh, not much there. And I think that's what people think of most frequently whenever they think about fashion and technology. So what other things are you guys playing with? Yeah, I mean, so we, we talked about wearable technology and I think a lot of our early work was around wearable technology and, you know, that still remains an interest, but it's a much longer term thing. And I think particularly for fashion in its own right, um, it's a challenge to find use case. Mm. Um, and, you know, there are also so many problems to get beyond. So you washable, reliable electronics and, you know, bit, adding functionality to a garment adds something which I think in pure fashion terms, you're not really thinking about when you're designing. It's mm. you make something to look nice, not to have that function. Of course, you know, the T-shirt I'm wearing now covers my body and it's white. <laughs> but beyond that, you know, what does that mean? So um, I think we recognize that wearable technology at some point when you can begin to embed electronics down to a yarn level has meaning and value to the industry. But that is a much longer term project. So I think where we were able to begin to look in a much broader terms for applications that would impact across all of those kind of buckets I mentioned around showcasing, retailing, creation, immersive technologies became a kind of natural evolution of our work. Um, and we started to look at how to build a, a sort of pathway to the use of 3D for the industry and, you know, could designers be creating in 3D. Uh, much of the work that gets done is still on sketchbook, pen, paper, which is great. We're not looking to eliminate that, but just begin to use some of the technologies that are available and how we might develop them so they feel more intuitive. And in a way, that's kind of pushed us towards when you start creating that 3D content, where do you deploy it? Um, could that be on a website? What would that do to a website if you had more 3D content available? Um, and we ran some interesting tests around 3D content on websites. And, you know, why it turns out that click-through rate on a 3D model can be anywhere between 20 and 40% higher. And, you know, could retailers are not generally using that at the moment. There's a few out there, but not many and not enough. Hmm. But also, so, so you... It, real quick, so when you're talking about a 3D model, you're talking about, uh, literally designing in a CAD program or a, a, a design program, a three-dimensional yeah. model of a model wearing the fashion that we're talking about. Yeah. So whether yeah. that's a, a, a garment or an accessory. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a few tools out there at the moment, but, you know, the, and, and more coming in that area is developing rapidly. Um, but it's, you know, once you get to that point of having a 3D model, it begins to allow you to do even more interesting things. So mm -hmm. that that's when the use of virtual and augmented and mixed becomes applicable. So we like to run a few projects which kind of push the boundaries of what's been done before. So particularly deploying mixed reality at, at London Fashion Week is something which over the past couple of years has been a real fun thing to do. Yeah, that's awesome. So, so it's it's so cool how you described it to me. I mean, we're talking about being able to sort of be at a live fashion show, but interacting with sort of a virtual fashion that can do things that you would never actually be able to design with real materials, right? Yeah. So, I mean, well, we started out at a very basic level a couple of years ago with a project with a Danish designer called Martin Jorgard and um, scanned 
her collection and effectively used used Microsoft's HoloLens so that you could simply view that as mixed reality. So you would walk into an empty room, put on the headset and see a life-size hologram of the model in the room with you. And that was great. People really responded to that. But we wanted to try and go a step further. So the following season, we worked with an Austrian designer called Sab- uh, Sabina and scanned her collection as separate so that when you viewed through the HoloLens, you could touch the model. And as you touched her, you could change what she was wearing. So you could see this life-size hologram and this avatar in front of you, but interact with her. And suddenly it sparked this conversation around, well, what if that avatar was you? Could you begin to try that? And so there's suddenly this retail discussion of the deployment of mixed reality became interesting. And all of that work was beginning to create quite a lot of interest. And we were started really interested in pushing the boundaries of using capture technologies, um, combining them with really interesting techniques like motion capture to begin to go beyond traditional photography and what photorealism for a 3D model might look like. Could you begin to create something where it becomes difficult to tell the difference between what's real and what's not? Mm. Um, And uh, those techniques are not typical within the fashion industry it's not something which you know you see a lot of fashion brands playing with (laughs) yeah Um, i don't think that's typical within (laughs) really any industry right now you're you're dealing with some really cutting edge uh i mean like the the nerd in me is just like giddy about this because you know you're talking about um i'm assuming virtual reality um combined with or as well as augmented reality and you're talking about um some really like cutting edge graphics techniques i mean it's not mm. it's not easy you know i mean there's whole there's whole uh studios that try to figure this stuff out how to how to use motion capture to then make things look realistic and fluid and um you know i have to assume that this is being informed somewhat from the movie industry well, you, you're correct. And, you know, that's, that's kind of where a lot of this work sparked from was we'd, we'd done some work um, over at Pinewood Studios here in London and mm. seen a lot of the equipment they were using. And that, um, that link to the movie industry was generating quite a lot of publicity. And, um, you know, we were very fortunate a few years ago, two, two and a half years ago, um, to be approached by Lucasfilm. Hmm. Um, and uh, Lucasfilm had an immersive division called ILMX Lab and um, working on that sort of technology in the movie industry. Um, so we we started having some conversations about what they were developing and how that might be applicable to our industry and um, that sparked a, a long project which we were able to deploy a, a fashion week this year in February of this year. Hmm. Um, and um, we, we worked alongside ILMX Lab to debut a new technology called Live CGX, which is a, a digital augmentation technology, performance-driven augmentation technology, which effectively is allowing a motion capture performer to add spontaneity to their performance through live computer graphics. Um, and what excited us so much about that um, that technology was the possibility that we could begin to look at virtual clothing and 
adding value to a garment that you're wearing through visual effects. Um, but hey, why stop there? Let's let's not just look <laughs> at the clothes. Let's look at the environment. When you can add a digital layer to the world around you, it begins to throw up all sorts of creative possibilities. And you know, the effectively what it is is a combination of uh, visual effects, depth sensing, depth sensing, and uh, live computer graphics to create uh, almost impossible artistic expression, which is, um, uh, you know, from uh, the creative industries, this is this is exciting stuff. Hey, everybody! I'd like to pause the episode here for just one second, first and foremost, to give you guys our thanks. We're so appreciative that you guys like what we do and are listening. Uh, We really couldn't do it without you. We love making this podcast, but obviously, you have to be there for us to make it. If you're interested in helping us out a little bit more, if you want to go the extra mile, we would appreciate it so much. And there's two ways that you can help. The first, leave a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcast. This seems like a little thing. I know everybody's always asking you to do it, but it helps us so much. And more than anything else, it helps people like you find us. So if you find us interesting, other people hopefully do too. The second thing that you can do is let us know what you find interesting. Tell us what you want to hear. Please just reach out to us. Say anything to us. Find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at State of the Art. All right. Thanks so much. And back to the podcast. So where my head immediately goes with that is like, it's uh, first of all, I mean, obviously you guys are rooted in the fashion industry, but like this, this technology and this approach really transcends that. I mean, the, <laughs> you're taking, um, you know, the reason that sort of we moved away from theater and into the movies is because what you could do with the technology in a movie really helped suspend the disbelief, right? I mean, on a theater, you have a real set that you have to move around and change around and your trees are just wood cutouts. And, um, you know, so in a movie theater, you, you, you're really in the forest and all this stuff. And then, you know, all the CGI stuff comes along, but you're sort of like going backwards. And now, you know, if, if you sort of apply the, imagination of the impossible to what you're talking about. I mean, you could apply that backwards back to the theater, except where everybody's wearing an augmented reality lens. And now you have, you know, special effects and explosions and, you know, real environments right in front of you. Is this? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's absolutely what we wanted to create. And I, um, I think we, um, we had this vision that we could begin to create digital garments. So we we worked with a, a London-based designer and kind of hijacked his Fashion Week presentation. <laughs> um, uh, Stephen Ty was the designer that we worked with, and Stephen was incredibly excited. So um, there were a couple of um, looks within his collection that were recreated digitally. And we were able to kind of morph from one to the other. So a motion capture performer was driving a digital avatar. And as she walked amongst real models, um, her clothes were able to change from one outfit to another in real time. Um, And we had, um, we were very fortunate to have an extraordinary venue to do this. So um, right in central London, our Foreign and Commonwealth office, there's this huge courtyard um, called Durbar Court, and it's a super traditional building. Um, but the inspiration for Stephen's show was um, the city of his birth, which was Macau. 
So we thought it would be really amazing if we could take this very traditional building in central London and rather than have Stephen explain the inspiration from his collection through some show notes that he would traditionally hand out to guests visiting the show, why don't we literally transport the guests to Macau? So we created this kind of digital layer that um, went over Durbar Court and um, we we literally took people to Macau. So over the course of the, the two hours of the presentation, you could see the cityscape of Macau overlaid onto the venue. And uh, every 30 minutes, there was a cycle where the jungles of Macau would overgrow the cityscape. Um, and if you can picture Blade Runner, kind of a very <laughs> hyper-futuristic city, it, it had very much that feel to it. Um, it it was quite extraordinary to see digital models uh, it, interacting with real models overlaid with this incredibly futuristic scene that was moving in real time. And for visitors to the event, it um, I mean, I, I I think it was just extraordinary to see people's reaction, what the technology enabled. Typically at Fashion Week, people come and go very quickly. They're there, look at the clothes, go on to the next show. But people were transfixed, I guess, fairly obviously, because (laughs) it was uh, an extraordinary experience. But some of them were there for 30 minutes, 40 minutes. Some people stayed for the whole two hours. And when you can use technology to kind of enable that kind of emotional reaction and, and make them dwell longer, then you can have a really powerful impact on their emotions their senses what what does that mean for designers what what does that mean for retail of the future if you can create these experience music whatever it is theater these are things that are going to capture the imagination of people um and uh, so i i guess we knew that we would have that kind of impact and hoped that would be the case but um one of the other probably slightly unexpected situations was that um, the motion capture performer had uh, had not seen herself wearing the digital garments. Hmm. Uh, and we put up a, a screen backstage for her to see those garments in real time so she could see her performance. And when she saw herself wearing the digital garments for the first time, her posture changed. And like, so we all know that what you wear changes the way that you feel. Right. When you put something on that's new and you feel good, immediately there's a bit of a swagger there. You, you, th- those, those connections are, are very clear and obvious. But we didn't know that we could do that digitally. We could change the way that people felt, acted by wearing digital content. That's, that's a big deal. <laughs> So I think it's so interesting because there's so many people, it's so easy to be cynical about marketing as a way to to sort of be a money mill. But I think that this is really, you know, when it's done right, this is what it's all about, right? The magic to sort of move people and change people's perceptions and, and actual behaviors. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. And I think what I would say is that I would certainly in that case, there was... There was this wasn't a marketing exercise. This was a kind of a a, a piece of research. We um, 
we worked really closely with XLab to see the implications. And for them, you know, this is another step forward mm. in what they're looking to do. And I, I think for all of us, it's every time you deploy these technologies, you're beginning to learn about how they work, how people respond to them. Um, so, yeah, it's... It, um, I think particularly if you can move people and you can begin to see that that technology enables a reaction in someone, that um, that uh, for us it was a, a hugely powerful thing just to see. And I think again, you never know how people are going to respond mm. to that or how it would work. But um, yeah, it's a step. And you know, the the technologies that we were testing are on their way to being deployed in consumer hardware. I think it's inevitable that everything that we attempted this year in the future will be available through some kind of device and i think that that future of a, a mixed reality world is going to come to fruition you see there's there's consumer headsets from the lights of magic magic leap which should drop in the next year or so you see microsoft pushing hololens 2 apple clearly are working on something um there is um, some momentum behind it. And, you know, whilst those devices at the moment probably are not at the stage where people are going to be walking around the street wearing them, <laughs> the the evolution for the technology will be to get it to that point. So, yeah, it's, um, it's a little bit future gazing for sure. But we're able to begin to show the first steps towards what that world might look like. So what is the... Um because there's such a, a a high tech component to what you're doing, I mean, it's this isn't this isn't really off the shelf technology that you're dealing with. Mm. I mean, this is some pretty cutting edge stuff. What does the sort of um, makeup of a team to pull something like this off look like? I mean, how how many moving parts are there, and how many people are creative versus sort of technical? Yeah, I mean, I guess in that case, it was a fairly big team. Um, to <laughs> deliver like it, yes. something like that, and I, I, I guess probably the the message that I would put across is that it's impossible for us to deliver these kinds of projects without much deeper integration and collaboration and co-creation with the technology industry. It's vital. the The skill set just doesn't exist within the fashion industry. And you know, we, I have a very small team. Um, and whilst, you know, as a group, we have a, a really good understanding of those technologies, we need engineers to help us deliver this. And in some case, we need a lot of engineers, <laughs> to, to, you know, depending on what we're doing. And um, that, that role that we play in beginning to pull together industries that ordinarily wouldn't be mm. working together, but through doing that can find... The, these new verticals, new business models, new opportunities for both industries is is really important. So it's something that has been, you know, for, for five years that we've been um, based at the college and, and working on these kinds of projects. It's something that um, is we, we really try to push home that message. Matt, thank you so much for joining us. This was such an interesting call. Um, I think that our listeners are really going to enjoy this because it, it really is outside of the normal things that we're talking about in art and technology. So thanks so much for, for being involved in this and lending us your time. Oh, it was a pleasure to be on and um, I look forward to chatting again soon. 
So before we let you go, though, we like to do some rapid fire questions here at the end where the idea is, you know, I'll just fire out a question and, uh, you know, you you respond as quickly as you can, whatever comes right off the top of your head. Does that make sense? Sure. Sure. Got it. (laughs) All right. Let's do this. (laughs) So so first, uh, must know, what is your go-to karaoke song? Um, always an Elvis Presley song. Very nice. Yeah. Any in particular, any Elvis will do. Uh, Do you want me to do it now? No, I'm not doing that to everyone. No. Look, the first couple notes there were dead on. I like it. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. All right. Well, so if you, we'll we'll move on to save your voice. Uh, Yeah. And everyone's ears. (laughs) So if you uh, struck the lottery, what what would be the first thing you would buy? Uh, What would I buy? Okay, I would uh, I would buy a holiday for the family. You know, my nice. wife's dreams of beaches, crystal clear water. I think that would be the first thing would be to escape the country as quickly as possible. <laughs> Especially the dark, the heat there, right? gloomy uh-huh. skies of London would be <laughs> replaced by crystal clear blue. I can see it now. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, very thoughtful to put the family first, although it seems like you're going to get some benefit out of that as well. For sure. <laughs> uh, so if if you could grab a beer with any celebrity, what one would it be? Oh, that's a good one. You know, I have a long list, so it's really difficult to pick one. I'm a big soccer fan. And I, I'm always interested at kind of picking the brains of those top coaches. Nice. Um, and someone I've always wanted to sit down with is Jose Mourinho. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, let's go with that. Um, imagine, imagine sitting down with Barack Obama and just having a beer. He looks like a good guy to have a beer with. Yeah, I, you could go on and on. Simon Cowell, I, w- I would be amazed. Simon what Cowell. Did, what would an evening with Simon Cowell be like? Probably one of the weirdest of your life. Or, so, or wouldn't it be fitting if it was just the most mundane thing ever? If off camera, he was just <laughs> the most vanilla guy in the world. You know, in a way, you're probably right. Let's let's strike that one. <laughs> All right. Well, sticking with the music theme, then, since you are uh, our friend from across the pond, got to know, are you a Beatles guy or a Stones guy? Oh, Beatles every time. Yes. Yeah, I um, I never got into the Stones at all. Um, but yeah, Beatles, they, it's just no one in the world is going to dislike that music. <laughs> it's true. It's funny. I, I talk to a lot of artists and I mean, I love music, so I love asking Beatles questions. And it's the artists always go for Beatles over Stones. And if you ever ask them who their favorite Beatle is, artists always go with John Lennon <laughs> <There you're> <laughs> across going. the board. I think it's been 100% on the show. <laughs> yeah, the, I mean the Stones have been um, playing here in London recently. I've seen all over my Instagram feed. Yeah, yeah. people go crazy. And look, I, I get that, but it has never been my bag. Yep, I'll, always the Beatles. Yeah, great. Well, Matt Matthew, thank you so much. This was so much fun. <laughs> um, <clears throat> this really, like I said, this is something really different for us. 
Uh, and it's I love talking to people who are so very clearly passionate about what they're doing and interested in what they're doing. Um, and I think that really comes through from talking to you, just how much you love this work and, uh, you know, how bright the future can be for these technologies. So thank you so much for your time. Oh, it's my pleasure. You know, we're so lucky to be able to experiment and, you know, what beyond experiment, actually begin to make a difference. And, you know, that's the one thing we kind of want everyone to do is just get out there, experiment, have fun. You, you ultimately will make a difference. So thank you. It was great talking. Absolutely. Cheers. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. As always, listeners, thank you so much for tuning in this week to State of the Art. I really hope you enjoyed my conversation with Matt. Um, this was my first time sort of dipping my toes in the fashion world on the show. So I found that really, really fun, really interesting. Uh, and man, what a what a cool guy Matt is. I mean, he's just so, so clearly in love with what he's doing and so moved by the work that he's involved with. So um, man, I will, I will talk to anybody who's that interested in what they're doing any day. So thank you so much to Matt for his time. Um, I, I I'm curious to see what he comes up with next and what comes out of his research there. So, uh, I hope you tune in as well and thank you guys for, for your time for listening. I hope you really enjoyed the episode. Um, if you did enjoy the episode or if you're just enjoying what we're doing here at state of the art. Uh, the big thing you can do to help us out is rate and review these podcasts wherever you listen, whether it's iTunes or anywhere else. That really helps us to grow and it helps us to get new listeners. Uh, hopefully there's other people like you who find what we're doing interesting. So that would really, really help us out. If you have the time, we'd be so grateful. Thank you so much. I am Andrew Herman, and this has been State of the Art.